Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So everybody's got a coming out journey and they've got a story and then suddenly things happen and sometimes it goes all haywire and sometimes it's like it's just exactly what it's meant to be. Whether you've been in a marriage for 20 some odd years and then suddenly you raise children, all this stuff and finally wake up one morning and go, oh, I guess I'm queer or lesbian or bi or whatever it might be. Or you say, hey, this is who I am. And suddenly you find yourself out on the streets and a mother who's kicked you out of the house. But. When the right thing happens and you meet the person you're meant to be with, magic occurs. And my two guests today, not only have they had interesting coming out journeys, but they build a life together. They built businesses together. They're currently in business together, which God bless you for doing that. I don't know if I could do that with my husband, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm so excited to share two really powerful ladies um, that I just I, I just kind of came across through some searching for like, who do I want to have on my podcast? And I put some stuff out there and Eileen Mitnick and Allison Baldwin came along and there was some synergy because they used to own a property in Provincetown, Massachusetts, one of my favorite vacation spots on the planet. And that was actually what sealed the deal for me. I'm like, I got to talk to these girls. I got to talk to them because they've got some interesting stories. So um, I think it's time for Rick to shut up and say, welcome to the podcast, Eileen and Allison. Thanks for being here with us. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Some kind of interesting journeys. Uh, I can say that Eileen, you and I share some interesting stuff, which uh, Eileen, you were the one that was married and came out later in life. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So same journey. I came out at 36, two kids, two beautiful daughters. Um, but boy, what a journey that was. So, you know, was it just like suddenly the, I know I'm going to ask the silly question, like the switch just flipped on. Okay. Yes. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> or was well, it like struggling for years trying to figure this all out? Oh, that's an interesting question. And I get that question um, a lot. It actually wasn't a struggle for me. I was married almost 20 years uh, raised two beautiful children who are off and running now. They came out the other side beautifully. And um, I just kind of went with my heart. You know, yeah. I didn't, I really wasn't, I didn't feel trapped. I didn't live trapped. I didn't act trapped. I I just, I, I really just wasn't living, as we say, in capital letters. I, I really think there was more to life. Yep. And I was going with, I was going with the flow. My father once told me I was dumb in love before <laughs> and he, which, and I, I didn't understand that, but he really meant that I was going, I was just going with the flow. I went from college to marriage. Mm. And, um, and so when I finally um, realized that my uh, soulmate for life was another woman, I, I actually just went with it and I felt so much in my skin and mm -hmm. I actually felt like I had joined the best club in the world. Like, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Right. And I mean, I've always been drawn to the energy of women. I've worked with a lot of women. 
I dreamt about women. <laughs> that should have been an indicator. Right. Um, and so I really just followed my heart. And Allie and I, I mean, it's a long story. We only have about a half hour, but uh, I went with it. I didn't look back. I also, um, no regrets. I had a great life before and I have a beautiful life now. It's rich and full. And I appreciate my life now, but I do feel very much in my skin. And this is where I'm supposed to be. But I really didn't struggle. Mm, that's amazing. And I love the use of the feeling in your skin, because I think that's one of those things that I I definitely came to when I finally like, OK, I feel like I'm truly in my body. I am in who I'm supposed to be, even though I wouldn't say I struggled either. I knew who I was. It was everybody else that was struggling with me being who yeah. I was, you know, yeah. And I did go back in the closet. I came out at 19, went back in the closet. And then at 36, like this is I'm done. You know, I got to go mm -hmm. be who I am. Right. And Absolutely. yes, it was painful. It was painful going through the divorce and everything. But there on the other side, I, I was just like, I'm alive. <laughs> this is my truth, you know, and this mm -hmm. is where I'm supposed to be. And yeah, the club. It's like I entered the club, you know, yeah. and yeah. um. It, I, to say that it's been a dance party all the way, not at times, but I'm much more alive and, and dancing through life than I ever have before. So I'm really glad I got that experience and I really appreciate you sharing that. So then Allison, sure. on the other hand, you had a little bit yeah. different experience, right? Yeah, I did. I think I came out at three, um, or at least to myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I knew throughout my life that, um, there was something special, something different. And I guess I didn't know that it was different until, um, you know, the rest of the world lets you know that it is. Um, but I had a very different experience um, at a very, um, it, it, it was a violent coming out with my parents um, mm. and very, very difficult and very complicated and layered and complex. Um, uh to tell this story, if I may, I'll try yeah, to rewind, yeah, yeah. rewind and, and take it forward as quickly as I can. But um, my mother, who was really the, the primary energy in my life and in, in our home, I'm an only child. Mm. Um, and so she waited late to have me. And so when I came along, I was like the everything for her. And she's a beautiful mother. And when I tell this story, people can get an idea that she wasn't a great mom, but she was. It was it was complicated. Um, my mom was was married four times and she married uh, young. Uh, she married. I like to say she married men who were leaving. Um, first guy went off to the military, came back. She divorced him. She married his friend who was a, in the big bands in the 40s. He was on the road all the time when he came back to open up a little uh, studio, uh, music studio. She divorced him. She married a friend of his. Uh, she married him on the courtroom steps as he was about to go off for 10 years uh, to prison. She didn't even know him. She just knew wow. of him. Um, and so he was off for 10 years. So during these, and then the fourth uh, husband was my dad, my biological dad. But in any event, during those three marriages and over a few decades, my mother was with another woman. And mm. so, and they lived together. And, um, you know, I, I, she didn't share this with me directly. I learned through the family over time, you know, little innuendos, certainly all the photographs that I saw in the family albums. 
of all of her family events. Um, her, the woman, um, her name is uh, Corky, um, was always there. And so I always had questions about it. My mother always said, you'll learn a lot about your mother when she dies, which was true. Wow. But she she had lived this life and gave all of that up um, as she would as she had said in letters, I know she never had this conversation with me, but um, she gave it all up to have a child and kind of knuckled down and stayed married. I don't think she would have if she didn't have a child. She didn't want to get married. She just wanted to have a child. Um, but she, in fact, got married to my dad. Um, they were together until she passed away. But uh, she had a very violent reaction to me coming out. I was 21. You know, in all my life, I had dated. I started dating young. I dated uh, in high school. I dated guys because I felt like I needed to do that. Right. Um, but I was also seeing women at, at a point in time. Um, but I did everything under the radar and I became incredibly crafty uh, mm -hmm. at being able to find times to, you know, enjoy my life um, and live my life fully, knowing that it was not going to be a good scene when I did come out. Um, and when I did, it was, um, uh, she just kept asking me over and over. She caught me in the act of coming home with, um, uh, with someone I was dating at the time. And, um, she just kept asking the question and I lied. I said, no, yeah. I'm not. And I don't know about the 12th time I said to myself, if she asks one more time, I'm just going to say yes. And I did. Mm. And she was driving and we were in a car together at the time. And, you know, it was a horrific drive home. She had picked me up at college um, and it was a horrific ride home. We, she said, I'd rather have both of us die than you live that lifestyle. Mm. And I knew it was going to be bad. I didn't know it was going to be that uh, intense. Um, so it was horrific. I We got home. It was, you know, for living with my folks who never, you know, Certainly there was emotional warfare going on in my head, but never laid a finger on me. I mean, there was a couple of beatings that happened. They were pretty serious uh, that day. And then um, I stayed uh, in my space, in my room. Um, and the next morning, my mom called me down to her uh, room and I heard some hope in her voice. You know, she had this sing-songy, Allison. And I thought, maybe this is an opening, maybe... You know, maybe mm. she wants to talk. Um, and I walked down and um, she was in the bedroom and she had a gun in her mouth. Mm. Um, and it was, um, you know, having having grown up with her and knowing her incredibly well, um, it, it was it was her, um, you know, it was threatening me mm. that I will do this, you know, unless you you um you change your mind somehow um and i knew she didn't have any intent but it was it was awful i know it was it was um it was an awful 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 moment um and she did not um and i left that evening uh quietly um without telling anybody i just packed my 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 car was at the house and i packed it up and i left um it just wasn't safe to be there. So she did not, you know, physically throw me out or say, you need to get out of here. Right. Uh, but it, it, but it was, um, you know, de facto, uh, you need mm -hmm. to get out of this house or it's not going to be a good thing. All right. So um, anyway, 
you know, and that's that's from a woman who lived decades as a lesbian and I think saw me coming out. You know, you can have all different theories, but I think she really thought she was protecting me from a lifestyle that she thought right. um, was not going to be easy for her only daughter. Right. Well, and two, I mean, I've been through similar stuff. Um, I still believe in my heart of hearts at times that, and my parents are still with us, um, that my father is very jealous of me coming out and being who I am. Not because he's gay. Uh, I think it's more that I took a stand and said, this is who I'm going to be. This is me. Mm -hmm. This is my truth. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that show up in different things. And he's going to be 80 in just another month or month. And um, it's hard at times to like just back off because there's a lot of narcissism in that space. And to your point of abuse and everything, I had to witness that on a regular basis. And to the point of, you know, actually being threatened not to be abused, but like crazy stuff like you know, when he was in his deepest states of alcoholism and stuff, like we'd all be in the truck with him and he'd threaten to drive off of cliffs and just get rid of all of us and do crazy yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So as a young gay boy who was still trying to figure this all out, you know, that whole thing perpetuated when I did come out and, you know, I got marched off to talk to the pastor and all that good stuff. But, um, it was such a like, I'm I'm disappointing, I'm disappointing, I'm disappointing. But I'm also like, but this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. And that conflict raged from 19 to 36. And so I can really, you know, truly relate to you, Allie, in so many ways. Interesting, I can relate to you and I can relate to Eileen because there's these, the yin and okay. the yang have both experiences, right? But the mm-hmm. power of going through that sort of stuff, and I'm curious for each of you that when, as you, because, you know, Eileen, you had somewhat of an easier trip through and you know ali you've had more of a difficult trip through how much has that influenced where you both sit today in this like just being positive and loving who you're with and being in the world in the way that you do because some people would just say i give up i just give up so whichever one of you wants to start with that question like how much has it had an impact on where you sit today just just to kind of put a, a comma or something on what i've just shared um uh, oddly, uh, the person that taught me um, to be as confident as I am in myself and who I am, and I always have been, um, was my mom. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she kind of created me. And so I have to uh, I have to thank her. I'm very grateful uh, for that because I never wavered in my uh, love of myself or my confidence or knowing who I was uh, through any of that. And it, it, part of the whole thing was a stipulation for getting back into the family was going through conversion therapy. So, and it didn't work. Um, nope. But uh, I knew it wouldn't, but it made her, made her feel good. But in any event, I, I, um, I, my experiences coming out didn't affect my ability to love or to have relationships um, going forward at all. Um, so I just wanted to share that because um, that's powerful. Well, and that's yeah. important because I, I I agree without so much of what that is. I don't think I would have become the man that I am today and the father that I became and doing this work. I, if somebody would told me I was going to be doing this work back in 1999, when I came out of the class, I would say, Oh, you're freaking crazy. This is not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are so far off from where I'm going to be. But I do realize that I had the beautiful blessing of going through these experiences so that I can be a better coach and be 
you know, a better leader and things such as that. So um, what about you, Eileen? That's a great point, Rick. Um, along those lines, you know, I, I we see ourselves as love experts in this house. And what I mean by that is, is that you have to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And if you love yourself the most, then you can love others. And you can, whether it's your children, your friends, your family, your colleagues, your clients. And I think that I really fell in love with me more when I felt the freedom, the full freedom to be myself. And I don't think I had that as a child. I don't think I had that as a, a young adult, even married with children. I was certainly independent, but I think I really, I really felt that true independence when I say happy in my skin um, when I changed my lifestyle. Yeah. And, um, and, and it has been an explosion of love and, and giving and happiness all around us. I mean, we are, we always talk to our clients about the importance of being, doing work that you're genetically wired to do. Mm. That, you know, work that you were intended, that your body and soul was intended for. And well, that's the kind of relationship you should be in too. Yep. You know, and so, and we feel that. I mean, we feel that every day. We live every day as though it were our last. Mm -hmm. uh, are there moments? Yes. Oh, I just lost my... I lost my ear. Yeah. Are there moments? Of course. Well, well that's moments. what you get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost an ear. There you go. Uh, but um, I, I mean, I love my life, you know, yeah. and I love life with Allie. And um, I mean, I'm, you know, we're always working on our reputation for living an insanely positive life because, yep. you know. Why not? Well, why? Why not? Exactly. And why yes, we not? all get uh, we all get down. There's, I mean, uh, for the three of us to sit and go, oh no, it's perky, 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 happy, no. happy, happy, twenty four seven. No, that would be a line, the biggest line in bullshit. But I, it's ironic that we're having this conversation because I, listeners know I I have this practice, but then I work full time as lead coach for another company, and I've had a situation with a client over there that has turned very toxic. To the point that that client won't work with me. So I put him with one of my other coaches and seeing things were good. And then he just went really toxic with her yesterday. And you got to divorce I, that client. Exactly. And I said, we just need to let this guy walk. You know, too bad he's paid all his money, but he is not coming to the table to do the work. And part of it is he's very jaded. Okay. So this company has nothing to do with coming out or anything. It's a professional speaking company, help professional mm -hmm. speakers build their speaking business. But he has come to the table as a very jaded gay man and everybody's out for him. And he's one of these that throws everything into it and then expects everything to happen for him. And he's not doing the work. Like literally there's work to do, like not just like coaching work. I'm talking, there's like literal work to do in, in what we do over there. And he's just not doing it. And this edge, and I explained to my coach this morning, I said, first, you did the right thing. Like, let him vent, let him steam, all that sort of stuff. But if he's not going to meet you there, we have to wash our hands and walk away. And what I've found with so many of us, when we miss the point that we have all the power, we have mm -hmm. every bit of the power. But when we expect everybody else to take that power and do it for us, you can't hack your way through life that way. You absolutely yeah. cannot. And it's personal ownership. And I and I told my coach this morning, I said, 
I'm going to come from a different perspective just because I'm a gay man. So let me kind of give you some insight here. This is a guy who's harboring his own self-hate right now. He will never admit that. He will never admit that. And on top of that, he happens to be a man of color. So let's just take that into account, too, because that that demographic often has even worse issues with that. Right. But I said, if he doesn't embrace himself, he's not going to embrace anything else in life. And and my boss, who had already left a message about this, and then I came in with, you know, as a lead coach and said, here, here's another perspective. He's probably doing this in every aspect of his life. So we mm -hmm. have to release him to go be himself in the world this way until, as we all learn, until we learn the lesson of joy doesn't come to us. It's something that we need to work at. And on the daily, we have to work. And that's what I love mm -hmm. about what the two of you do. This zest for joy and everything that you do is about how do we stay focused? How do we stay focused? How do we stay focused? Because nobody else can do this for us. We can yeah. be here to guide and mentor, you know, as coaches, we can like help people see what they can't see. But my coach was like a little bit devastated. And I said, don't do not own this. You showed up. You showed up. He did mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what so many of us, I mean, Allie could have like, she could have gone off the deep end and in some way she probably did. But if she decided she just wasn't going to show up to do the work, who knows if you two would have ever met, Right. Eileen, if you hadn't shown up to go, I'm just going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to be the person that just is dumb in love and keep going. Who knows? But this is what I think is beautiful about this work that we do. So Allie, for you, there seems to be this beautiful edge of I've done the tough, but I can see the light. What did you have to kind of do in your own head to really like, make that part of your being because most people listen to this would go fuck that I, i'd be like i'm just done i'm just done what did yeah, you do I in did. your own mind you know I, I was in therapy for a little bit um and and it was later it was in my 30s you know it was much mm -hmm. much later and i thought you know people kept saying you know you went through so much you probably should be in therapy you should probably do some therapy so i did some therapy and i i did it for several years um and had a very good experience but i remember sharing some things that had happened in my life and my therapist saying it's amazing you're not crazy and, and i said <laughs> okay, okay so i'm not um you know so that was that was good um but i thought about it when she said that and the work is ongoing right and i think i began the work when I was very young because I had to carve out a place for myself that was safe. Um, that was my own, that wasn't controlled and ruled by a super powerful uh, controlling mom. So I think I was kind of getting trained along the way to um, find the positive and what I could, what I could control, uh, what I could be in charge of, how I could create my own happiness and also you know, also being an only child, that helped too. So I'm going to say that my life situation early actually, you know, helped me so that the work wasn't monumental for me. The work, what is monumental or is incredibly important is the fact that we are human and that we have to remind ourselves every day Um because it's like a rubber band, right? You know, you have the yep. skills and you know how to stay positive and be grateful and meditate and have great focus and, and uh, strategies. 
but something can happen. And, you know, the last several years, um, at least in this country, certainly around the world, but certainly this country, mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you sit, um, a lot has happened, you know, that's yep. triggering. Mm -hmm. And so, man, you know, I have to remind myself every day to stay in the light <laughs> because yes. you could spiral and it does no good for yourself or anyone else mm -hmm. um, to, to not do that. So yeah. for me, the work is daily. It's it's mm -hmm. reminding myself daily. Yeah. And and yeah. controlling what you can control because I, I, I don't want to give my energy away. I need mm -hmm. my energy. Yes. And so I'm very focused on. What can I control? What do, how do I want my day to feel? That's how we start every day, by the way, every morning mm. for the last 20 years. How do we want the day to feel today? What can we do to make that happen? So we're very much, um, I don't like to think of myself as a controlling woman, but we do like to control our energy and, and yep. uh, hold on to what, what feels good. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a valuable asset. And if we don't treat it precious, like our energy is precious to us. And I know I have been in spaces not long ago. I was in a space with my own parents where I was letting that energy just tap me out, like completely tap me out. And I know in my heart of hearts. So this was back fall of 2022 that there was an issue that came up that really like, and I'm not going to go through it all. Though I think people on the podcast have heard it, but it put me in a space where again, once again, I did not feel like I was an important piece of their life. And somebody else was more important than me. And this has been a pattern. And so it's been really tough to like get over it. At 59 years old, I'm still a little Ricky when it comes to this shit, right? It had me so pent up that December 6th, I had a stroke. Oh, I'm sorry. And I am convinced, thank you for that. I am convinced that that is why it happened. I am so convinced because I had one three years ago, which wasn't, I wasn't under stress or anything. It was just a weird ocular stroke. Some plaque broke off and took my eyesight away in one eye for about five hours. And then it was back. I have so learned from that, that I look at things now. I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to let myself be an idiot and go on Twitter and read shit, I'm like, you get this long and you just got to scroll through it and like, let it roll off your back. Absolutely. If I'm going to watch the news, yeah. I'm going to watch it with my critical eye, my critical eye of how I choose to look at what's happening in the world. And yes, I can't say, and I'm not giving a shit at what everybody else is doing. We can't live that way because I mean, y'all live in Florida, so you, you know, the pains and stuff that are happening here. But if you all were pent up about that and constantly any of us, you're not living. Absolutely. You're not having the life you're intended to live. And it's been a really hard thing because I came from a very religious background um, that there's a lot of dogma in it. And so that dogma is still deep within my cellular memory. At times it crops up and I get the fear of the, quote, little kid towards God at times. Living in these times, a lot of it shows up and I'm like, just trust the process, Rick. You got to just trust the process. There's something greater than all of us right now going on. And there's a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. I may not experience in my lifetime, but Hey, when I check out, let's see what's on the other side. That's the way I look at things at this point. But I yeah, see I, so many people get pent up in that stuff and then they can't function. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now there is. What? And I will, um, you know, we are in Florida. We moved from Provincetown 
Massachusetts to Florida. So it's not like we just moved from, you know, Dubuque, Iowa to Florida. We moved right. from <laughs> Provincetown, Massachusetts. Right. Such a beautiful place. Um, and we had such an amazing life and we chose to move here. We're living in St. Petersburg, Florida. And so I'm going to put in a little plug for St. Petersburg because um, it is such a beautiful community um, and so inclusive and so queer and yep. um, comfortable and beautiful. Um, it's pretty amazing um, that it yeah. exists. So I just want to put a little plug in for St. Pete. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing is, you know, okay, so I'm glad we're talking about it because I get, I, I struggle with this from time to time. <laughs> Because there are times I do have to travel. very rarely that I travel with the other company, mostly just once a year we go to a retreat, right? So the first retreat that we ever did, because we a virtual company, we, we did it in Florida. And it was right as crazy stuff was starting to happen. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't want to go in a state where da 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 right? Well, then the next one was just in, in, the next one was in Austin. And that was happening right when the whole Roe v. Wade thing was exploding. I'm like, well, I'm already here. But I got I dug my heels in and said, you know what, if they have the next one somewhere in a state that, you know, I don't think I'm going to go. And of course, now the next one's in Tennessee. <laughs> and I'm in my head a lot about this one. And it's not till next year. Yeah. But I'm like, OK, I can either stand my ground and take a stand. Or I can go and represent. Now, it all depends yeah. on what crazy goes on, because I mean, the thing that will keep me from going to that one is if they go down the path where. We don't recognize gay marriage. I am not stepping in a state like that because I already lived mm -hmm. that life. I lived that where you hopscotch around states. If something happens to me and my husband can't come and see me in a hospital or something, I don't want to be there, right? Mm -hmm. But then right. there's the flip side to all of us in the LGBTQ community that, and I did an interview with um, the guy, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he is the founder of Queer Cities and a lot of online stuff. And he goes, Rick, I hear you. But he goes, I did an interview with someone else and they said, don't let them make us hide. Don't let them make us yeah. hide. We need to go represent. And so this is this interesting dilemma. I think that we in the queer culture right now are in that space. It's tough. But I think, you know, individuals like you are like, hey, we found our we found our space and we're happy. You're still representing. And I think that's the thing is don't let yeah. them make us hide that we did that no. for too many years. Not no, and it's, it's, um, you know, I, I do feel that my vote makes a difference here. Yes. Um, and that feels, it's very important to me. It's, it's incredible to be amongst all like-minded people. Not everybody's like-minded, but the majority, you know, when we were living in Connecticut or living in Massachusetts, the majority were like-minded. Um, but our vote to me, it was an important act, but it yep. didn't carry the same import and I feel like I can really help to make a difference here. And we've had a lot mm -hmm. of folks come down from the north and move to uh, particularly this area. Um, and, and we're helping to change things up. So um, instead of running from it, I want to understand it. You know, well, and, to and, understand it. And, and as being um, the token gay guy on the team. And I, I, I say that jokingly. My, my team loves me. I mean, I've been with the company... I'm one of the, I think I'm the second, second longest running employee in the company at this point. And it's a very beautiful space to be truly myself. Yes, there's some that like quite don't know what to do with me at times because I'm a bold energy. <laughs> I'm going to go bitch. Let's, my queer side going to come out every once in a while, right? <laughs> 
But um, as it should, as it should, like there should be no hiding. But if I can represent in that way and continue to be like representing that, yeah, I go to bed, I wake up, I do the same thing. I have moments. I, this last retreat, I was very, I was one of them. I mean, we had very vulnerable retreat. It was like, what the hell did they wave a magic wand and make say everybody's going to cry this retreat? But um, I was pretty open about a lot of stuff. And not because I felt, okay, let's grandstand this, right? I just, I'm an open book. And sometimes I feel like when we are those open books and we let people see our truth, that's the impact. Somebody goes, oh, I didn't realize that. In fact, most of my team members, when I brought up something to a lot of them, like, here's why I'm a little bit hesitant about all this stuff. Do you all realize there are over 450 legislative laws in legislation right now against the lgbtq community they're like what do you mean i'm like yes this is why we're afraid folks this is why we are on our bandwagons right now but if we don't share that stuff we can't have impact Mm -hmm. we can't help others see right so i think this is a key critical space to helping our community and the world quite honestly but something you all do too to help the oh go ahead no, no, I was just going to say it's a gift for you to be vulnerable and, and let all of that out. But it's a gift for them to receive it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so then all of those people leave that conference. And yeah, I think that you've you've done good work by sharing your vulnerabilities. Well, and I think that's the thing that you as coaches get too is when a client can come to you and show their vulnerabilities. And I know you all offer lots of different ways for people to do that. But We can't hack our way into a joyful life if we don't expose ourselves. If we don't say, here's my truth. This is me at the bottom. Yesterday, I interviewed um, a guy by the name of Court Vox, and he is a somatic sex coach and um, sexual surrogate. He lives that life proudly. He's like, I'm not hiding what I do. And we laugh because he's like, and I can't get ads on Facebook. I can't get, he goes, it's really tough to build this business because they're like, oh, you're a pimp, yo ho, right? He's like, but what I'm helping people do is get deep into their sexual intimacy, their sexual truth, their honest erotic self. And I said, that's a really beautiful thing when you can do that. And I know you all do that too, through your coaching, you're helping people get into that deeper space. So I'm curious, Eileen, as you work with people, I know you've got programs, you've got, you know, your one hour power hour, you've got your six packs that you do, you do the blueprints. Um, What is something that you notice, and this is kind of that loaded question, but that you notice as a consistency with a lot of people that just, they just show up to do the work for the first time? Well, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that most people really aren't living in their truth, standing in their mm-hmm. truth, doing what they love, saying very non-judgmentally what's important to them. They, yeah. We have this shell on us that we're, you know, we're saturated with social media. We're saturated with just the world right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a planet that's, you know, tilted on its axis right now. And we're just dealing with so much. And I think people are struggling for their truth. Mm-hmm. And no, so... That's when good. we meet with people, that's we 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 dig in pretty quickly. We do take people to the edge, but not within the first five minutes, you know. And we really want to understand and discover what what do you really want? Like, really, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What are you passionate about? You know, like I mean, truly, truly. And so we dig a little. We dig a lot. Well, yeah, because uh, it's, it's, it's they come in your truth, and they come a lot with everything on the surface. 
You know, they say, oh, I want this. I want romance. I want love. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? When you have that, what does that feel like? How will you know it's true? You know, and that's when people pull back. And it, you guys approach it very similar to the way I do. I'm like, no, no, we're, we're not going to just play with the surface here. We got to go dig in yeah. deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I take people back to a time where, um, you know, like I'll say, tell me about when, when you're like when Rick is really at his very best, when you are truly at your very best, what are you doing? I don't care if you were five years old tell, or, or 35, but what are you doing when you're really at your best when you don't care? You don't give a shit about anything else. No, for and me, in it's, that, a, it's when I'm creating. Ahead. It's when I'm creating. It's always when I'm creating. I'm either creating podcasts, I'm writing, I'm creating my videos, I'm creating ideas for like, how am I going to work with a client? When I am, when I am free to create, I'm at my best. And even when I'm writing, even when I'm writing crazy stuff, like standard operating procedures for the company I work for, I'm creating and I know I'm really good at it. And so let me create, let me be that creator when I get my creativity taken away, in fact, I have told my husband and numerous people and the, even the podcast guests have heard this of everything I do in this business. Okay. So my coaching and working for the other company and all this stuff, do not take my podcast away from me because that's the day I will die because I get to have so much fun with this. I get to be this voice and not out of ego. I love this interaction. It brings I me can alive. tell. And I can it shows. Bro brother. Brother, we got the same DNA. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was, I'm also one who loves to create. And, and in fact, it gets in the way because, you know, like we have to focus every, right. every day we come up with a new idea. So am I guessing right, right that maybe Allie is the one that's like, honey, we need to focus. We need well, to focus. Honey. Yes. <laughs> would, that be, would that be true? I, I, uh, we um we are both uh, right brained and so we're both on that creative side of things. Mm. But I do I will admit that I do tend to be the one to say we need to focus and we need to like put stuff on paper and have a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. but we have a blast yeah. just brainstorming and noodling new ideas. And I mean, Allie has this great idea for a kitchen store in downtown St. Pete. Will we open one? I don't know, but it's fun to think <laughs> about and dream about. But once the dream begins to have some, you know, foundation to it and some legs to walk on, then the logic will step in and go, okay, so here's how we do it. You guys have done this before. I mean, you had a, oh, you know, exactly. you had a property in Provincetown and, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And I know that too. Once it's like, okay, I can see this, then I just go. But I love the creative side. Like right now, I'm sitting on book number two, literally wow. sitting on book number two. <laughs> and the creative's done. Now it's like, okay, I got to do the next step, which is the more logic. I got to pull a book proposal together, which I don't I don't see that as creative. But then I, a couple of days ago, I'm like, it, that's creative too, Rick. You got to get really creative how you position that this book is the next book that some publisher should pick up and go with. And once I let that unlock in my head, I'm like, okay, cool. Now let's go get it done. Now I just got to yeah. find some time to go <laughs> get it done. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I think these are those important things that when you get those opportunities and it kind of comes back, I believe to so much of our DNA as humans, number one, but I'm going to take it to another place in our DNA as 
LGBTQ individuals. Being out and being an LGBTQ person is one of the most creative things you can ever do because you're creatively showing the world your truth and being exactly who you're meant to be. Yes, it's courageous. I get that too. I'm not going to say it's not, but I think there's so much beauty in creativity of being queer because we're like, we're not going to live. We're not going to live in a box and here, here, look at this beautiful box. I just created that. This is where I, this is where I play in. Come, come join me in that sandbox. And that doesn't mean come join me and be queer. I mean, that can be part of it. I, I love inviting allies and people like, just come play in my sandbox for a moment. One of the most mm -hmm. critical conversations I had at the retreat this year was with a new team member. And I had to like quit. I had to like try to keep myself in check because he was a beautiful man. I'm like, oh my God, this guy is gorgeous. I mean, he's just a beautiful guy, right? But I could sense there was... There was an edge there that were like something was not really showing up for him. Now, brand new team members. So now you're surrounded by 30 some people you don't know. So that could have been part of the edge, right? And then he started to open up a little bit. And then his grandfather actually passed away while we were at the retreat. So he was really struggling. Mm -hmm. Like, should I go? And he had driven to the retreat. He wasn't far from where we were doing it. And we were having dinner and I pulled him aside and I said, hey, man, can we just talk? And I said, listen, I just need you to know, I hear you. I see you. I feel you, man. And I know we haven't had a chance to talk yet. And I kind of opened up to him a little bit. And he said, you know, I have to be honest. I didn't think you liked me. I said, why did you think that? And he goes, well, you just kept kind of like looking at me. And he goes, sometimes you're looking at me and I'm like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Of course, I wasn't going to say, well, I thought you were really hot, man. But, you know, it was one of those <laughs> moments where it's like, I could see something below that. And I finally told him, I said, here's what I saw. I said, I, I feel like there's something in you that you're afraid to let people see. And the next thing he was opening up and he was sharing all this stuff with me. And then after that, he, he was just like, you're my brother, man. You're my brother. Just, it's so beautiful when you open up and I was vulnerable. He became really vulnerable. I love and this. I think this is the beauty mm -hmm. of when we allow ourselves to be that with another human. Then right. absolutely we really thrive. So, um, that's, so that's the new human condition. Well, right. wouldn't that be nice if that would be the new human condition and we could just open up and go, I see your vulnerability instead of, okay, I see your vulnerability. Now, how can I attack it? You know? That's mm, right. something that's really different. So, yeah, so really quickly before we wrap, I know, I think the three of us could talk all day long, but before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about your programs. I know you've got whichever one of you wants to take the lead at, you know, Allison, Allie, I'll give it to you. Okay, sure. So, you know, overall, we work with people who are looking to add more joy and vitality to their life. And, um, and so we have a few different ways that we work with people uh, Eileen mentioned the power hour. That's really for a really defined thing. Somebody might be working on maybe, maybe they need somebody to brainstorm with them a business name, or they have a, a few businesses, launch. right? A book launch. They have a few things that they're <laughs> working on and they're trying to prioritize and see which one they should be focused on, yep. or they need to have a difficult conversation with a client. They need to fire a client or they need to, if it's a defined thing, we can work with somebody, you know, in that hour. And then we have uh, something we call the the, leap, the six pack, and it's really simply six one hour sessions where we work with people every other week over a three month period, and um, and work to help them align their life um, 
with their uh, their vision for their life. We take a look at reality, uh, what is, and then we look at what they envision or want, and then we work to help um, strategize uh, with them so that they leave with a path, they leave with a plan so that they can begin working toward it. Uh, and then we have a, a third thing, which is an intensive, a really immersive experience Two and a half day uh, where we take people way, way back to the deep place of why. You know, we ask the seven layers of why to really get at the core of who that person is, what they want. Um, and then, you know, what's important, what parts of their life are important to reaching that um, that place of, of joy. And right down to um, right down to activities, things they're doing now. Um, we have them rate themselves so that they can really get an assessment of how they're doing. And again, walk away with a blueprint in this case for strategies to, to work toward a more joyful life. Look, you, you can't go from zero to 60. Right. And when we talk about joy with people on that, we're joy coaches. It might almost seem um, unattainable to people. Mm -hmm. It's not even, not even on the radar. They're struggling with life. I got work. I have kids. Yeah. I have bills i have you know i've got a boss i've got all these things going on and so um our work isn't like to say okay after two and a half days or six sessions with us you're going to be super joyful yep. and perky but it's to give people strategies that they can use to move forward uh, toward that awesome i love that it's always amazing cool. to hear other other perspectives on how you do this and what you do and the reason i share beautiful people like Allie and Eileen is because Rick can't heal the world. I'm just saying folks, I can't do this all by myself <laughs> folks. So um, I need some help along the way here. I need my other angels in the world doing this. And that's why I love having these conversations and, and hearing people's stories. And especially for our queer community, somebody out there is going to listen to this podcast, hopefully, hopefully somebody just one. We just need one oh, listener. That's all one. we need. Just, just one. one. But um, somebody listening is going to hear these stories and go, I thought I was alone. I literally mm. thought I was alone. I thought I was oh. the only one who's been thrown out of my house, so to speak. Or I thought I was the only one who's like, ah, I came out late in life and I raised kids. But, you know, I'm just this happy person about how it happened. But yet there's something in there that's like, it's got to get worked through. So I appreciate you both so much thank, thank you. you thank you and so it's been much such a thank you. fun joy to get to work with you their website is the zestzone.com um they have all sorts of stuff i mean they've got they've got cooking stuff on there they've got you know essential oils i mean th these these girls are doing it all so make sure you go check mm -hmm. it out stop in get to know them a little bit and like i said if this really resonates with you take advantage of working with them Everybody oh, has you. somebody they can really resonate with. So, um, absolutely. Thank, thank you, ladies. You, thank you. Sure it was a pleasure to get to um, talk with you today. Take Same care. Here. All right. Bye. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, 
we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping into living your life uncloseted.